Hello and welcome to Design Untangled with me, Chris Mears. I'm joined today by an old colleague, an old boss. Were you my boss or line manager? Whichever one you like to say. Yeah, all right, we'll say line manager. (laughs) Um, Andy Farmer, hello. Hello there, Chris. Good to see you. Yeah, and can you start maybe by telling people a bit just about what you do and your background? Okay, fine. So, um, First of all, I work for a company called ORM. Uh, we're a digital agency consultancy yeah. uh, who work down the road in, uh, in the Oxford Circus. Um, and we help clients uh, achieve their digital freedom uh, by creating products and services for them uh, that help them do their business better, uh, helping them save money by being more efficient through digital, helping them grow uh, their clients through growing sales revenue, yep. um, learning more about their customers as, as well through better uh, data uh, and better insight. Um, so all of those things. Um, I'm responsible for the solution consulting practice at RM. So they are strategy consultants, uh, experience consultants, um, technology consultants, yeah. data people, basically people who help uh, create and scope the roadmaps uh, for the products and services that we create. Cool. Um, so the reason we got you on today is to talk about transport and trains specifically, which everyone loves, of oh, course. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about some of the work you've been doing? You've worked with a lot of train companies, sure. I know. Yeah. And yeah, just tell us a bit about what you've been up to. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we're, we're reasonably still small outfits, 110 of us. So we specialise in certain sectors or certain industries, uh, of which one is transport. Uh, we've been working in the transport sector since about 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, first company we worked with was uh, GWR, um, now, um, which was first Great Western at that time. Um, and when we started working with them, uh, it was initially some website analytics work, some experience design work, um, some stakeholder sort of communications around emerging strategy. But sort of since that time, the last five or six years, we've expanded our remit quite significantly. And we provide uh, an end-to-end digital service for um, for train operating companies, so that can include helping a rail business uh, develop its digital strategy and its transformation program up front, um, and creating a business case for change to help yeah. improve the business case. And then we help them deliver those plans by um, developing and man- managing uh, digital platforms and products. So the platform would normally include uh, a customer facing uh, service like journey planning and management, uh, e-commerce, uh, journey purchase capabilities, customer identity management, the account management, perhaps sometimes a promotions engine and back office management for all of that. Um, we'd also sometimes include management reporting and hosting and infrastructure. Yeah. So um, what the customer would see is most usually an app or a wearable or a website, um, but there's a whole lot of technology integration that goes underneath that and data management. So in a technology parlance we probably called a systems integrator that's what a number right, of yeah. operating companies that we work with would call so us. how do those engagements start do they come to you essentially saying we need a completely new platform to do everything differently or is do they come to you with like a single problem and then it kind of expands into well actually you need to change all these things yeah good question it, it, it can be both so um with GWR, um, as I mentioned, we started off quite quite small. It was a, a couple of um, uh, initial projects, and then we grew our remit through experience design into strategy, and then took over the technology. Right. Yeah. Um, for other 
um, companies like Areva, um, they were looking for a supplier or support um, to help them develop uh, a customer experience or proposition yep. of uh, front-end, back-end management and um, we helped them initially create a business case for that and then, and then develop it. Um, in case of um, other franchises, because especially in the sector, we, sector, um, sector we know when the the bids are coming up, and we we'll obviously have relationships with a number yeah. of the stakeholders. So we will be in the mix for a number of those opportunities. So mm -hmm. it's a whole range of different ways that business might might come to us. Yeah. Um, to, for the ones that don't come kind of initially with the view that they sort of need to transform their whole business, yeah. is that like a big surprise to them that actually yeah. to deliver this better customer experience they need to do that or is it kind of something that creeps up on them slowly I guess? Um, yes, um, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, typically a number of the, of the companies that we've worked with in the past, they might come with a, uh, with a tender or a bid going, we want a website or we want yeah. an app and they're thinking that they're getting an off-the-shelf product um, that might be akin to a piece of hardware that they might purchase like, a, like yeah. a train carriage and obviously it's not always as simple as that because um, a, a digital product or platform has to integrate with several sometimes scores of different uh, types of data from journey management from ticketing from fares uh, journey update information multimodal yeah. planning um, and um, uh, it might have to deal with loads of legacy systems as well. Quite often, the train operating company thinks that the app has all of those things included in it, where yeah. in fact it is actually a bunch of different data points and the app or the website is just the customer-facing bit that, uh, that you or I see. Yeah. Um, and you have to do all those integrations no matter what the touch point is. So yes, it's not always as straightforward as well. Yeah, it's always a challenge, right? You you get these projects or kind of briefs which are just we need a new app to let people do XYZ but the things you need to let them do that are a lot deeper than just you know you need a form here or whatever like what does that form link to and where is it pulling data from and what what technology has it got to integrate with? Absolutely I mean you know what the customer might see what you or I might see you might see a shiny new website with some nice imagery yeah. um, but that frankly is the easy bit because it's just content and images it's uh, it's the, the data that supports the journey supports the fare supports the updates the disruption information that's the difficult thing to do and yeah that doesn't always sit within a, a web CMS yeah that's the beauty of service design I suppose isn't it making the complex seem simple at least to the customer exactly exactly um, so you've obviously worked with quite a few different train companies now. Like, what are the common problems or issues that you're seeing across them? Well, there's a couple of areas. I mean, you know, we look at it from a, a business point of view and a customer point of view. Yeah. Um, as a customer, as a traveller yourself, you're probably very well aware of some of the very well the, aware, the, yes. uh, the, the, the issues. Um, Obviously, poor train service is, is, is one. Um, from our point of view, there's not necessarily anything we can do about a, a train not turning up on, on, on time. If you look at the sort of purely digital part of the, uh, of the, uh, of the equation, uh, there's frustrations around unclear and inflexible ticketing and pricing, yep. um, inflexible fulfillment methods, um, lack of 
what we call multimodal capability as well. So the ability to plan the the entire journey from train to bus to walking yeah. and, and see what the fastest, the cheapest is. And then um, journey information being incomplete or inaccurate or not up to date. Those are some of the key things. It's basically stuff that gets in the way of someone yeah. completing their journey in the way mm -hmm. that they want it to. So given that probably the number one complaint is my train isn't here on time, yeah. I guess there's only so far digital can go in terms of actually making that person's train experience good, right? So you can kind of fix all the secondary problems, but if their train doesn't get there on time, yes. you know, it's still going to be a bad experience. Uh, we can mitigate it in terms yeah. of having up-to-date information and um, you know perhaps being ahead of the game and quite often some of the... The, the touch points that we create, especially yeah. if there's Wi-Fi on the train, the customer will know more about whether there's a delay before perhaps even the guard or the driver yeah. might, might, might know about that. Um, so there's mitigations, but if the train's not running on time, the train's not running on time, so we can't deal with that frustration. And obviously one of the interesting things is there's one of the parameters by which a train operating company is measured is customer satisfaction or CSAT. Yeah. You often find that you know, CSAT might go up or down uh, for a train operating company and the digital score might go up or down. Yeah. And it often has nothing to do with factors around the digital performance of the, of the platform. It's whether yeah. there's been snow on the line or there's been a strike or something like that can have yeah. just as major an impact. So trying to separate the digital experience uh, from the overall customer experience you know, is, is it's not easy to do. And as you say, that's one of the uh, the, the challenges of good service design is that what we're dealing with here is a, uh, a multi-channel journey. Uh, yeah. Digital supports that, that someone going from A to B and then walking to a restaurant or a cafe um, yeah. is a partly digital journey. They might purchase the ticket online, they might get journey planning online, but actually the, the train experience and the station experience uh, is, is, is just as important. But, you know, there's a lot of things going on here that are driving this dissatisfaction so you know the structural issues with the yeah. with the industry so you know we all know about the, the timetable fiasco from, from, from last May and, and several of us got obviously recompense on the on the back of that and yeah we just for our non-UK listeners that was when yeah who what company was it well there's several including uh, Govia Thameslink uh, Great Northern etc yeah. they, they, they launched uh, Northern they changed the timetables um, and it was a massive um, carnage, industry of carnage and, and, and basically there's a whole month, six weeks of trains just not turning up and being really yeah. late. Uh, there's a whole compensation scheme that's just, just finished uh, for, for that. Right. Um, uh, so on the back of that, there's another rail review that's been set up, that's been shared by um, Keith Williams and, uh, um, you know, just to review the whole structure of the, of, of the industry because it's not working for passengers. But the other point is, is Passengers don't care about this. It's not working for franchises either. Yeah. So you know, um, LNER um, uh, took over Virgin East Coast uh, last year because they couldn't make any money on the yeah. on the back of it. So they gave it back to the government. Um, and uh, you know, um, there's delays in new franchise announcements mm -hmm. because again, the government's not necessarily certain what to do. And what you're seeing is this paralysis between sort of um, transport companies, train operating companies, network around the government, and no one actually having a single responsibility for it so um, that means that passengers get a, a, a bad deal but you've got within the industry very complex ticketing and fare structures you've got a lot of regulation it's very involved accreditation process it actually yeah. does make it very difficult for an incumbent to be fast and swift to, to market market and responsive mm. so there are 
shouldn't say excuses, but underlying factors why some of these yeah. things happen. Bringing it back to kind of the discovery work that you've yeah. done on this, yeah. I guess most people listening will be familiar with kind of doing customer interviews, stuff like that. But I'm guessing for this kind of work, it's not just customers you need to understand and get insight on. So yeah. how are you both doing and tying together all those different all kind things. of pieces? Okay. So um, if we're engaging with a client on a sort of major new initiative, so a program or transformation as opposed to just doing a new product, although we will do some of this, yeah. we'll look at three strands. We'll look at um, business, experience and uh, technology. So we do start with the business side of things because we need to understand what the company's overall business strategy is and the yep. role of digital within that um, and what they want digital to achieve for them is to try and verbalise that. So are they using digital to, for example, try and reduce costs and streamline processes, um, You know, offer digital self-service to yep. make life easier for themselves? Is it to improve um, CSAT through a better customer experience or is it around increasing sales through better e-commerce processes, better fulfilment and requiring new new yep. customers. So the way we do that is through um, desk research. Uh, we do stakeholder interviews with key people in the business um, and uh, we do a number of workshops around different themes, uh, yep. business objectives, content, brands, um, and contact strategy. And we basically turn all that into some tangible key performance indicators, KPIs, emissions, which you can then measure performance um, you know, post-launch. So that's the one strand. We then almost do a gap analysis yep. against that um, from an experience point of view. So um, we'd look at what are the pain points or blockers uh, with the customer against what that company's trying to achieve. Yep. Um, so we'd start with data um, normally. So. Um, we'd look at the digital properties and the, and the management information and see how they're being used, where the dropout is, yep. um, by which customer segments the dropout's happening, at what point are they new existing customers, um, and then we'd take that inferred um, insight and we'd, if possible, back that up with dedicated first-party research, which could be um, focus groups or customer yep. interviews, surveys, etc. Uh, and then we'd sanity check that against best practice so um, we understand what the customer wants to achieve and then we go well who else in the industry is doing it well or actually more normally who else yeah. in related industries or um, related technologies is, is doing it well and who can we who can we learn from yeah. and from that you'll come up with a, a sort of a, a roadmap of objectives of course there's then the, the tech piece the tech enablement which is quite often the most the most involved so quite often the the existing sort of platform or ecosystem isn't fit for purpose, but we don't know that until we start the start the process. Yeah. We can't just recommend new new platforms or products or services willy-nilly to, to so we, we have to map the technology that they have um, currently, what integrations they have, yeah. what data points they're using, and then we look at their current operating model to see how that whole system is being managed and, and, uh, and run. And from that we can understand what capabilities they have and whether the technology is fit for purpose for all those objectives and pain points that we've um, um, gathered from the other from the other strands. And that requires quite a lot of stakeholder interviews, 
um, and analysis of the tools themselves. And on the back of that, we'll make recommendations for new um, target architecture, new suite of tools that might better meet the needs of the, of, of the train operating company. Uh, we'll um, look at integration, see if you might need new APIs or an API gateway, um, and we'll develop a target operating model. Um, right. So we know how they're going to use it in the future, what that, what that looks like. So, I mean, thinking back to sort of traditional UX, the normal approach, I guess, in the ideal world would be you find out the customer needs and then you basically get or build the technology to enable that. In the real world, that's not quite as simple as I think you've just been describing. So, I guess, what in your mind comes first, if any, is it? the customer need that should be driving like how you integrate with this stuff or are you starting more from a point of view of this is what we've got technology wise this is the sort of stuff we could do with that practically there's always some trade-offs um, we you know when we look at the technology bit we always want to create and develop the best technology for the best you know price and speed to market is going to work for the for the for the customer. So we're not just going to use what's there for the sake of it. Yeah. But there's virtual realities in, in terms of what the client's willing to invest. So you always need to create a business case for any of the investment. Um, quite often, these things don't actually have a, a budget, or they yeah. might have a, a small budget for a particular product, but not the the whole. Um, platform or ecosystem so a lot of this is about showing what uplift is going to be so therefore the yeah. may want to sign it off if I was going to say what do we look at first um, I'd say that we always look at the business first because the context of what the customer pain point is has to be in the in the in the lens of the business because yeah. you know this is all about investment you know in order for a business to thrive and succeed um, there's no point in solving a customer pain point if it's not actually going to support the business and they can't actually uh, yeah. grow on the on the back of it. So um, we look at the business wants what it wants to achieve and then look at it through the lens of the customer going, yeah. well, if you want to do that, it's not going to work for the customer because of X, Y, or Z. This is what yeah. Um, so a lot of our listeners are obviously UX designers, researchers. In terms of kind of the whole process you just described in terms of figuring out what you want to do, yeah. where should they be getting involved and what can they contribute to? Oh, I mean, you know, UX designers at the heart of everything. I know I've talked a lot about tech, but I mean, you know, I'm responsible for some of those teams or have been in the past. Obviously, we used to work together, you know, UX design and the, and the, and the customer experience strategies at the, at the yeah. heart of all this because um, how those digital tools and processes work and how they interact is, is key for them being taken up and, and, and used and the, and the customer having a great experience. So there's all sorts of ways in, 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 in terms of um, how UX designers or um, you know, experienced architects can get, in, get involved in all this. You know, obviously you need to vision and prototype the future, but our experienced designers get involved in the, in the, in the customer interviews. Um, they get involved in some of the benchmarking and looking at competitors. Um, the thing I would say is is that the key to this is context. Mm -hmm. Unless you understand the, the business and the industry and um, what it's trying to do, then um, it's not going to work. Yep. Purist UX theory, as much as purist tech theory, doesn't doesn't work without understanding what the 
problem is that you're trying to trying to solve. So that's the thing I'd always say. Yeah. Becoming an expert in the business, more of an expert than the, the people that you're working for is absolutely crucial. Mm -hmm. um, so we talked a little bit about data and yeah. like different points you can get that from. Um, can you talk a bit about, like, I suppose, how you use data to measure your solution and how well it's doing, but also how you use it to, I suppose, inform what you're designing before you release it as well. So okay. kind of pre and post launch, how okay. data works. Yeah. That's it. So we're, we're very data focused as a, as a business, I'd say. My motto is that, you know, if it's, if it's measurable, capture it. Um, so as I you know, said just now, a lot of the programs that we've developed don't initially have funding in place so they need a business case so yeah. you need the data around the performance of the of the platform to actually help you measure improve uplift or create scenarios yeah. that can be can be signed off so um, you know that means that we need to look at doing ROI modeling you know return on investment modeling around sales CSAT engagement acquisition so the starting point of data analytics is always your key digital tools like Google Analytics in yep. which you're, you're seeing what the digital sales are, what the conversion rate is, what the average transaction value is, um, where that's coming from, what acquisition channels, how that, how that differs, um, and, um, and then we can look at, for example, different funnel dropouts contextually, um, so we can then say, well, if we go and do these things, you're going to get X amount of, of uplift. Um, now as well as using the standard tools, we'll, if we've already owned the, 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 the platform, we're running the platform, we'll have some quite heavy configuration in the, with the data. So you won't just have standard Google Analytics, we'll be measuring events, uh, we'll be doing event sequence tracking, all that type of stuff. So we can actually look at how different elements in the page are, are working or not working. Yeah. And then we'll back it up with, um, um, on-site survey tools and session replay tools, <laughs> you know, the yeah. decimal insights and session cams, that type yeah. of stuff. That uh, then, when we look at an area of dropout, we can look at the individual use cases that may be may be, may be causing it. Is there any way to kind of cross-reference that sort of stuff with what's happening offline? So, like, are you looking for stuff like? If a particular train is late, is that causing a spike in people rebooking tickets and stuff like that? Do you have that way of kind of cross-referencing you, you, you things? You can on some occasions. I mean, it, it sort of depends upon the sophistication of the of the train operating company and how much yeah. investment they want to make. But some of that is possible. So, yeah. for some of the train operating companies, you know, within the URL strings, etc., um, you know. Um, got um, station codes so you can actually see which journeys are driving which right. which revenue yep. whether it's by new or returning customers you can look at how many visits before transaction um, you know yep. um, how, how soon before transaction they visited the site etc um, for some of the companies we work with um, we either run or uh, one of our sister agencies will uh, have access to the uh, customer database and customer information so yep. you can then look at general segmentation and overlay acorn data and then look at propensity to buy a first or second class ticket mm. so all of that's possible um, it just depends upon the sophistication of the client yeah. and, and how much time and effort they, they want to put into that. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the reasons I was kind of keen to do this as a topic is because when a lot of people are learning UX or research design whatever 
they think of it, right, I need to make an app and, you yeah. know, I need to research and design stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to understand a bit more about how designing for an app or a product like a website is yeah. different to designing for a whole kind of platform, essentially, okay. as you yeah, described. Yeah, 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 okay. So, wow, okay, so there's a, there's a, there's a lot of different, uh, different things here, but if you put it really simply, um, a platform is a whole suite of products and services that mm -hmm. sits within one ecosystem, uh, which is tied together. Yep. So um, that means that all of those things need to share the same data, whether that's customer identity or journey and fair information, yep. purchase information, and they need to be able to share those and show those simultaneously across a bunch of different touch points, like a website or an app, and they need to be managed by the same internal team as well mm -hmm. back at the you know the, the, the client so that means a it's a lot more complicated um, b um, you can't really envisage it as a standalone thing you have to think about those other touch points and interactions yeah. as well and um, you also have to think about the integrations because you might be showing data that comes from a lot of different uh -huh. providers in one in one interface so what that means is is that you need quite a, a multifaceted team to, mm -hmm. to deliver it. Um, so, you know, uh, when a UX is thinking about this, they might think about what's a great interface for an app. Oh, so and so does a great app interface, but you've almost got to think about, well, what is it that we're trying to achieve here? Is it around journey planning? Yep. If I'm using an app, well, it might be a different customer who's a loyal customer as opposed to the website. You might be a first time customer, so yep. their needs are different it's the same data being shown but you might want to show it a different uh -huh. sequence or a different or a different yeah, order. Yeah, I guess the experience yeah. you're going to have on a self-serve ticket machine is going to be a lot different. To, e e exactly, e event, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, a, a UX designer or, a, you, know, um, a, you know, a UX strategist or experienced strategist is, is one of a whole number of people within a, within a, within a team that's helped visualizing the future yeah. but then it's about how is that future enabled so you know because it's this complicated beast you've got program leads and project managers um, you've got subject matter experts around digital business technology experience um, and those people would help deliver the scope and the, and the mm -hmm. roadmap and then in terms of, sort of more detailed definition you're going to need a combination of business analysis technical analysts data analysts experienced designers and then yep. front and back end dev which might be on native you know um, app mobile web etc etc so um, you've got a whole bunch of people which could be working across time zones so some of our clients might have a team of 20 or 30 right and that's just us or our partners that we're working with that's take into account the client team as well so you know they might have a product owner yep. who's responsible for the product roadmap a sponsor sort of commercial sponsor they've got their own governance and then you've got other internal teams they might have their own BI or MI that needs to work with that they might have their own call center or customer service that you've yep. got to integrate with so that means your governance process has got to be really really strong yeah and I suppose from a experience point of view it's not going to be just one designer working on the whole platform so there needs to be yeah that governance in place to make sure it all hangs together and ties together exactly you've got you have brand or brand designers who are coming up with a, a suite of assets and and, and, and components and, and uh, you know approaches that can come across um, yeah. uh, every touch point 
then you'll have your interaction designers, which obviously you'll have specialists that that, that, that work on app versus versus web. Um, you know, um, you also got to think about content as well. So we'll have um, content people who may be looking at um, you know search engine optimization, but also they'll be crossing over into, into IA and, and, and structure yeah. content structure as well. So um, there's a lot of interaction. Quite often we have our clients; they could be on when we're building these things, be on the premises two or three times a, a week. It's their mm -hmm. sort of collaborative process, and they're sitting in our offices, or we're we're over there. Yeah. Um, so it's before we sort of wrap up, um, I guess as part of your discovery, you've been looking at how other countries and yeah. other companies do trains, and yeah. I'm sure almost all of them are better than we do it, yeah. by and large. Um, is there anything special that other countries are doing that just results in an overall better experience for customers, do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's other companies or, you know, countries in Europe that have a more user-friendly, simpler digital experiences. So, uh, you know, we're always doing benchmarking, you know, for example, Netherlands Rail is quite nice in terms of how it combines journey planning and purchase as we, um, by SNCF and, uh, uh, and, and SJ, Swedish Rail, they've got quite nice, elegant e-commerce processes, for example, there's loads of others. Um, but part of that better CX customer experience is partly a fact that the, the whole way that um, pricing and ticketing and fares works is a lot simpler in Europe yep. than in the UK. Um, and there's, there's less options. They've taken into account cross-border as well, because they sometimes right, yeah. have to go across Europe. So um, it, 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 it's a lot simpler to create an interface because there's less things to consider. Um, you also have to think that some of these countries have uh, train operators that are totally or semi-state-owned. Yeah. So they haven't got to think about uh, being in competition with each other around different routes or, or, or lines, which some of our train operating companies right. are. Whilst we look at other countries' digital experiences, um, we also look at other industries as, as well for, for, for leads. Um, so, you know, many customers now would compare buying a train ticket to compare uh, buying an airline ticket. So you might, might want to compare the purchase and fulfillment experience you get with EasyJet. If you're um, a metro or an urban um, you know, dweller, then you know you might be used to using tools like Google or City Mapper. Um, and uh, you know you'd expect that level of, of, of service or interaction. Um, once a tool becomes part of the everyday, like Uber, then you tend to find that a lot of those customers will expect the same type of CX approach, all that sort of interface language yep. uh, uh, that you want to replicate. So, It'd be nice if you could just summon a train from an app, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, you know, this is the interesting thing. So I think you know, um, what's what's the What's the final challenge, or what's the biggest challenge for the for the, for the, for the train industry? Um, and I think you know, obviously, apart from trains being on time, the, the biggest thing that a, a train company could do is is you know have that ability to plan, manage, and buy a multimodal trip from a single interface in a frictionless way. So actually, work the way that a customer yep. expects. So that means incorporating a bus, a walk. Mm -hmm. into your journey calculations, recommending what the cheapest or uh, quickest option is based on that. Um, it also means automatically charging the passenger the cheapest fare at points or after, even after travel, which means that you then have to move into account-based ticketing and recognising you or me when we get on and off the train. So we're currently working on some of that with some of our transport clients, but they're not the easiest things to do and it's a lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. 
obviously it happens in London with with TfL, but outside metro areas it's still difficult. Yeah. So um, the challenge for train operating companies for TOX is if they don't offer that in the future they're in danger of getting bypassed by companies or technology providers that can do that. So um, if you think about Google, most people start their journey search with Google. Yeah. Um, think about Uber in London, it's just launched the ability that you can see and plan public transport into your journey as well as taxis. Mm-hmm. In Denver, not only can you do that, you can actually buy that public transport as well as your taxi within the single right, yeah. option. Okay. Now, you think Uber's got something like, what, 500 million users worldwide, it might be more than that. Um, once that facility becomes commonplace around different towns and cities, then customers will migrate to those yeah. providers, which then means that um, for a train operating company, you become a, a constituent brand. Someone's not going to go and visit your website, yeah, yeah. they're going to visit Uber instead. So thing for Tox now I think is they've got to think of themselves potentially as Tox, big train operating companies yeah train yep. operating companies they, they have to think of themselves potentially as not just being a brand but a constituent brand of a, yep. of a multimodal journey and opening up their data their fares their information to other technology providers so they're always there they're always yep. an option mm-hmm. uh, which has a lot of um, implications in terms of their of their brands but means that they probably open themselves up to more potential customers and make them makes mm. them easy to, easier to deal with. Do you think passengers care about train brands? Like no. do they have any no. sort of affinity to them? No. I mean to a certain extent, depending on the, the train company and the line, there are some local affinities in some areas, but for most commuters You've got to get what you get got to get, right? You're to a certain extent you're a captive customer, so it's all about good service. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I think that was kind of all I had for trains, unless there's anything yeah, no, else you'd like to very, about. That was very thorough. And <laughs> Your favourite train? Have you got a favourite train? Well, as in a physical train? Yeah. Um, I mean, I quite like new carriages that they've got on, the, on my Thameslink and Great Northern services now. I think they're, 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 they're pretty decent, but I can't get a seat in the morning, so I don't get That's to sit the, on yeah, them. Same so, old issues. Yeah, they're they're so, nice to yeah, stand in. They're nice to stand in. So uh, for me, like every other customer, it's about being on time, having somewhere nice to sit, having yep. Wi-Fi that works, and uh, getting home when I told my wife I was going to. Cool. Um, is there anything you want to plug in terms of any talks you're doing or any blogs you've written around this subject? Um, stuff like we've that? got loads of blogs and, uh, and and pieces. Our founder Peter Goff did recently did a, a piece with uh, Hack Train, uh, which yep. is worth looking at. Um, we're always producing blogs and insights around trains, so go to the yeah. RM website or the um, RM uh, LinkedIn um, profile, and you'll see a, a load of stuff there written by me, some of my colleagues, various yep. interviews, um, uh, which is, uh, if you're into trains, is, is, is quite <laughs> interesting. We also get involved in buses as well, so there's a, a, a blog piece that I did with um, the guys from Arriva Bus after the um, uh, recent sort of annual um, sort of bus um, uh, conference. Which, weirdly, I have attended as well in a previous it's life. It's true, so you know, you know what it's like. Yeah. Cool, well, yeah. we'll put all of those links in the show notes anyway, Great. so people can check that out. So, okay. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for your time. Cheers. Bye. Let's have a coffee. Search and subscribe to Design Untangled using your favourite podcast app and leave us a review. Follow us on the web at designuntangled.co.uk or on Twitter at Design Untangled. Become a better designer with online mentoring at uxmentor.me.